Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Seems like everybody's excited to say hello, which is always a good thing. Uh, but you are um, joining us as we continue in our series through Acts. Uh, maybe you knew or didn't know, but yeah, it's been an interesting beginning of the new year. Uh, so grateful that Chris jumped in last week. Uh, right around Christmas, I got hit with COVID, and so I was out. And so Chris jumped in and shared last week. And so thankful to Chris. Um, and, great, and just by the grace of God, no one else in our family uh, caught it, so we were able to uh, manage that. And so... Uh, I'm back, and so glad to be back. And so uh, a lot of people are asking, yes, it is me, David. Uh, some people didn't recognize me with the hair. Uh, but we're, we're going to see how long this thing can get. So uh, I'm a little jealous of some of the... Uh, actually, John, he cut his hair, so I'm a little bummed out about it. I don't think I can get a man bun, but uh, I I'll definitely will have a pick in my hair, and I'll just leave it in the back. And so I'm going to definitely grow it out, and see. we'll see what it does. Uh, but just, just again, we are in the book of Acts, and our series title is Outpouring. And what we're looking at is just how the Lord, through His Spirit, poured out His Spirit on the people of God, and we just see a movement that really explodes in, uh, as um, declared by Luke. And so I want to read Acts chapter 6, in Acts chapter 6 this morning, I'll read the first six verses, and then we'll just, we'll just see, explore, imagine what it is that Luke is trying to articulate. So I have Acts chapter 6, the first six verses, or seven verses. Um, uh, it's going to be in the screen behind me, but it reads as follows. It says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, or the Grecian Jews, arose, Hellenistic Jews, rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Taman, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we are so grateful for your word truth. And so, Lord, as we examine the Scriptures this morning, might we see Christ. And in so doing, may you fill us with life and life in abundance. And may, out of the overflow of your Spirit in us, may we uh, just be a, an, an influence uh, for good in the communities we live in. I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're journeying through the book of Acts, and Acts is really recording really just the incredible expansion of the early church. Many of us are recipients of it, and we, we see this incredible growth. We, we see what began with a few followers of Jesus in the upper room praying. We see it constantly expand and increase. 
to the point where in the beginning, you saw it in Acts chapter 2, Luke says 3,000 and then 5,000 were added. And he just says it's increasing. And Luke tells us these things because they're good. It's good for us to know. He is telling us about the triumphs of the gospel in the past because it's good for us to know that in the present. Friends, as we read the the book of Acts, as we hear about what God is doing, please don't just relegate that to something that happened then. God is still active today. He is still at work, and the church of God is still expanding. This is the words of Jesus when he says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Many of us are recipients of even what what, what began here. I think of my early beginnings. I I was formed in a small church in Hyattsville under the leadership of a pastor, Pastor Stephen. And there, he, he was a pastor that came from West Africa, came from Ghana, and planted a little church and began proclaiming the word of God. And he began to plant other churches. And the gospel was proclaimed. And God's word was increasing and is still increasing. And so many are recipients of what God is doing. I can't help but to think about Downtown Hope. We didn't make a lot of noise about it, but last week was the anniversary of Downtown Hope. 13 years. God gathered a group of people, a small core group of people, and and he's been doing a work, and that work is continuing today, and we are sitting in these seats because God is still active today. I think about the work that is beginning in Robinwood. I think about our community groups and the heirs they have influence. I think about our estuary cohort. I think of even our relationship with the brothers and sisters in India. Friends, God is active in the world today. What we see the early beginnings of Acts still has impact today in our passage. We see growth. Luke says in those days, the disciples were increasing in number. And we, we, we tend to just really just to pontify the early church. But friends, when you read Acts chapter 6, this wasn't a perfect church. This church had problems. They had challenges. They had difficulties. And so this morning as we explore the scriptures, I ask, what do we do when a church begins to experience difficulties? What do we do when the church begins to face challenges? Maybe there are some in this room who are considering joining this church. And, and it's, it's a daunting thing to have to find a new church, right? Because if we think about it, when we're looking for a church, we're looking for a church that has no issues, right? No drama, right? How many of you are looking to find a church? I want to find the church with the most problems. That's where I want to go, right? Most of us are looking. We want a drama-free church. Amen? <laughs> but guess what? If the early church had drama, we're going to have drama too. And so, so, so I think this passage speaks to us. Or maybe we've been hurt by the church and we're wondering, why is this happening? I believe this is a good passage because it shows us that the church will face challenges. And we see that in Acts chapter 6. But not only do they face challenges, what we see in Acts chapter 6 is they come together to overcome these challenges. And in coming together to overcome these challenges, the third thing is they just see God work. So as we look at Acts chapter 6, we're going to see a problem they face. We're going to see them come together to overcome this problem. And lastly, we're just going to see God do a work. So the challenge they face. And one of the things we know is that anytime there's healthy things grow, right? And when there's growth... There tends to be tension, problems. I I shared with the early gathering that when I'm by myself, 
Like, it's easy. Right? It's like, I agree with myself. All my ideas are good ideas. This is like, this is how life should be, right? I love people, but man, it's like, you guys disagree with me. That's not cool. It's when you start to add other people, and as there's growth, think about a family expanding. Think about a church expanding. As more people join in, there is, there is an opportunity for difficulties and challenges to arise. We see it in verse 1 of chapter 6. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, or some translation will say by the Hellenistic Jews, arose against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And so in the culture of that day, there are two groups. They're the Hebraic Jews and they're the Hellenistic Jews. The Hebraic Jews, they speak Aramaic. They are native to Palestine. They have not left. And when they worship in their synagogues, they most likely worship in Hebrew or in Aramaic. And there's another group in Jerusalem. These are the Hellenistic Jews. They are part of the Jewish dispersion. They are part of the diaspora, except they speak Greek. And they probably in their synagogues worshipped in Greek. And they were content in existing in their communities. And something radical happened. The Son of God was born. The Son of God lived and proclaimed a message of life. On the day of Pentecost, you begin to see the undoing of Babel. Joey mentioned it. And people are starting to come together. And now the formation of the church. And in this church are these two groups. You have the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. There's only one church at the time, the Jerusalem church, and the Grecian Christians or the Hellenistic Christians are complaining that their widows are being neglected. Neglected. The Hebraic Christians were getting preferential treatment. I mean, that's a cause for tension, don't you think? I mean, pick a side. If you're on one side, you might think, no big deal. And if you're on the other side, you say, this is not fair. And if this unchecked, it would be a big problem for not just the church, but for the world, the watching world, watching this movement. I mean, look at today. If we don't start dealing with the conflicts that are arising in in whatever capacity, if you let a problem just fester and don't deal with it, it will create cataclysmic problems. And so what's taking place in Acts chapter 6 is, if you think back to the system developed back in Acts chapter 4 to care for the poor, it was not working for this group of believers, this Hellenistic group, Hellenistic group, these Grecian Christians, it was not working. And this problem posed a great threat to the movement of God. If this wasn't dealt with, the Christians would come into disgrace because culturally in that day, it was a high value to take care of the marginalized. It was a high value to care for the widows and the orphans. And so the watching world seeing this take place would say, man, this movement, this Jesus you're talking about, you can't even take care of those in need. And if you've been reading Acts and following along with us, ever since the beginning of this movement, there's always been this Opposition. There's always been this threat. You read of the chief priests opposing the movement of God. You hear about the apostles being arrested. And you see not just an external threat, an internal threat. I mean, last, the chapter prior to this, you have Ananias and Sapphira. 
They're in the body, but then they start being shady, and that begins to create problems. And now in Acts chapter 6, you see this internal conflict brewing. And so what does this mean for us? I'd like to suggest that the church, the body of believers, is a gathering of a wide variety of people. We are not a homogenous people, but we are all called by Jesus. But we're not from the same place, right? That's a good thing, right? Wouldn't that be kind of boring if we all were just the same? They get boring quick. What's your favorite football team? That's my favorite football team, too. What's your favorite color? Mine, too. That'd get boring. Wouldn't it? So, so, the, so, so the diversity is good. We're not from the same place. We won't have the same preferences, right? But it's these things that can actually create tension within the body. The things that are high holy for me that aren't high holy for you as it relates to preferences and likes. We might begin to look at a particular group and say, man, they're getting preferential treatment. And another person would say, no, we're not. And it, it just can create just tension in the church. And when we're hurt by the church, so if we were on the receiving end of, 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 of an offense, a bitterness, something happened, we must be careful, too, that we don't become so critical of everyone else, that we keep everyone at arm's length and avoid community. We avoid getting in with other people. You see, when you read Acts chapter 6, this could have easily gone the way it goes today, right? You got the Hellenistic, Hellenistic Jews, you have the Hebraic Jews, they can't get along, so what do we do? The, the Hellenistic Jews say, you know what, don't even worry about it. You don't like us, you don't care about us, we're going to go down the street and we're going to plant first Hellenistic church of Jerusalem. And you guys do your Hebraic thing and we just, we're going to mind our business, you mind your business. And isn't that what we do today? The things we disagree about, you guys are crazy, I'm not crazy, we're just going to go start our own thing. And we have a watching world saying, man, they talk about unity in Christ, and they can't even get past preferences. And so here we see a problem, and they're going to deal with it in a way that I think is informative for us. They come together to face these challenges, right? So the apostles are made aware of the problem. And perhaps someone suggested that, hey, you guys are the 12. You guys are with Jesus. You guys, you, you are on the mountain. You guys deal with this. Because isn't that what we do? When there's a problem, who do you go to? You go to your leader, right? How many of you are leaders in this room? Just raise your hand. Don't be shy, right? And then, so as a leader, how many of you have ever received a complaint? Right? Is that, who loves the complaints you get? Just, and it, right, so, so you're not at work or at home or wherever where someone starts complaining. You don't just say, man, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Bring the complaints. Right? It's like, wow, why is this happening? So what do they do? They bring the pro- hey, you guys, hey, you guys brought this thing together here. And again, when we talk about this tension brewing, it may not be just uh, an issue of like Hebraic versus Hellenistic. It could be just poor administration. Right? You got an expanding church and they're caring for the poor. They're caring for the widows. And this is overwhelming. So they're trying their best. So it may just be poor administration. So they say, you know what, Gradia, let's just take it to the apostles. But do you notice the apostles' response? They say, guys, look, this is a problem, but we, we have to prioritize the word and prayer. So the apostles knew that was their sweet spot in ministry. They knew that we can tend to this, but it's not healthy for the kingdom if we do. We know our sweet spot. And so the idea is this, the key idea 
is ministry is ministry no matter what it is. I think we get into trouble of thinking this is better. This is, you know, like the, the people that get to speak up front, they're of a higher calling than those that are sitting in the seat or that those that are, you know, you know, cleaning the space or those that are tending to the, like, let, let's get rid of that. Ministry is ministry, whether it consists of teaching God's word or taking care of it. We tend to come to a passage like this and we make distinctions of importance between taking care of widows and teaching God's word. That's not Luke's intent. Luke's intent was, look, teaching was a priority for these apostles. And it's pretty obvious why, right? You know, you know what the Jerusalem church does not have? They don't have a book. They don't have a New Testament with the writings of the apostles, right? That, that, that's what they're doing. So, so imagine if the apostles, you know what, this, this is a major problem, and we're called by Jesus, so we, of course we could do it all. So we're just going to put away the prayer and word for now and tend to you. Guess what we wouldn't have? We wouldn't have Peter's epistle. We, they they would get so drawn into this. But what do they do? They, see, 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 what they recognize and what I hope us to recognize is God calls different people to different kinds of ministries. And the key lies not in spelling out some level of importance, but being faithful to the call. And so the 12, the apostles, refused to get involved in matters of the church uh, financial resourcing because they considered themselves already busy with preaching God's word, the proclamation of God's word. And so what do they do? They gather the entire body together. That's what I love. They don't go into a corner and say, okay, we'll come up with a solution. They say, no, get everybody together. Hebrews, Hellenists, let's get together and figure this out. They get them all together. We read this in chapter 6. They said, seven men. We saw it in verse 5, right? And he says, choose seven men. He gives the qualities. He says, you know, bring them on. And when they come, we will lay hands on them and let, and let them serve. And in verse 5, it says, and when they, what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. I see you, Stephen. And Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Taman, and, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, and a proselyte of Antioch. And so they, they, they get together, and they say, we hear you. You guys focus on the word of prayer. And they have a meeting, and they p- p- pick seven, seven folks to do this. But you know what I love about this passage? You know what I love about these? See, see, when we read these names, the names we don't hear, we don't hear names like Jacob, or Zephaniah, or Zerubbabel. We hear Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor. You know what's significant about this? I think Luke is bringing this out. They have this dispute between the Hellenistic or the Grecian Christians and the, the, the Jewish Christians. They come together, and all seven of these names are Greek names. They come together, and in coming together, they call people not from the, the uh, Hebraic community, and, and, and again, these, 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 these men end up doing exploits for the kingdom about Stephen and a couple of verses, and Philip, he's going to minister to the Ethiopian eunuch. So Luke paints a picture of everyone being involved in ministry. That's our desire as a local church, that, that the ministry isn't reserved for a special class of people. And so in Acts chapter 6, we see the solution to their problem was everybody coming together in a new kind of teamwork. We see the body of Christ forming. And so here at Downtown Hope, that is desire for our, from our elder team, that each and every one of us would find our sweet spot as it relates to serving the Lord. And when we talk about serving the Lord, it's not just serving here at 255 West. 
The Lord might put you with a team of folks and send you to someplace else to serve. You might see your place of faithfulness to Jesus at work. And at work, I'm just going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to proclaim his goodness there. Your, your place of serving faithfully to the Lord might be on your child's soccer team. And you're just going to faithfully show up and be a friend to those. All of us are called to faithfulness to Jesus. And that's our desire. And so that's, that's, that's something we can wrestle with. What is that sweet spot the Lord is calling you? What is that sweet spot the Lord is calling me into? Because when we are all in our sweet spot, it's great. And the funny thing is when you read Acts chapter 6, easy to dissect. Here's some good leadership principles. Here's how you delegate. Here's how you diversify your team. And those are all good, but that's not Luke's point. That's not Luke's point in bringing this up. What is Luke's point? God is at work, and the enemy couldn't stop the movement of God. Look at verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And he adds this caveat. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the truth. That's just good. In the midst of this problem, the church didn't fall apart. They faced their problem. They came together and overcame it. And the result continue to increase. The word of God is still increasing. The disciples are continuing. And, and by the way, a great number of chief priests are coming to the Lord. Why is this good? It's almost comical because when you read Acts, one of the main antagonists are the chief priests. For example, when you read in Acts chapter uh, 4, uh, it says, um, while they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed so our first introduction to the chief priests, they are annoyed by the ministry of Jesus. When you read uh, in chapter 5, it says, Then the high priest rose up, and he and all were with them who belonged to the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. We meet the chief priests again, and they're now jealous. But we get to chapter 6, and a great number of priests are now coming to faith. Why? Because they see a body of believers caring for the poor, caring for the martyrs, caring for their widows. And they're like, wait a minute. Because if you remember in our study through the book of Leviticus, whose responsibility was it to care for the widows? It was the priests. And so the priests, they see, wait a minute. You mean caring for the widows isn't just relegated for a special class of priests? You mean caring is something that everyone can do? They're looking at this expanding kingdom like, wait, it's as though everyone is a priest. Isn't that what Peter says? You are a royal priesthood. And so, friends, each and every one of us in our sweet spot have an opportunity to declare to the world, yes, God can use us to serve our neighbors and our friends. Chief priests see this, and they're like, wow, we want in. We want to be a part of a community that loves each other well. And so, friends, let's do that. Let's find our sweet spot. If there's any challenges that's come our way, let's come together. Let's not stand in our corners and just throw fires. Let's come together, overcome these obstacles, and let's just watch God work. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. And so, Lord, that's our desire, that you might help us find our sweet spot in ministry, that we would see each other as a family, Lord, that uh, just even with our differences, Lord, we don't we don't ignore those differences. Lord, we are grateful for the differences, the things that make us unique, Lord. We, we thank you for the various cultures we come from. 
We thank you for uh, the various perspectives, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that there is diversity in thought, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that th- these things weren't be, wouldn't be used as a stumbling block for us to be at odds with one another, but rather we would see ourselves as a diverse family of believers, finding our sweet spot in serving you, whether it's here uh, in our gatherings or um, in, in, in other places, other environments, Lord. We commit that to you. And so, Lord, would you just give us clarity? Like, if we're great with finances, Lord, uh, show us how we might serve you with our financial expertise. Lord, if it's in uh, industry like marketing, show us how our, our marketing skill set could be used to increase your word throughout the city and beyond. Lord, if it's just loving our neighbors well, whatever it might be, help us to see that, Lord, so that as a family we come together continue to see you do great things. Pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.